0: Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowee.church. Enjoy the message. Amen and amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. Um, great is our God and uh, greatly to be praised and so grateful this morning to gather uh, and lift high his name and just rejoice in all that he has done and continues to do. Now, this morning as we started out the service, you uh, saw a video on the Smoky Mountain Pregnancy Care Center and uh, just want to mention a few things uh, just in regards to that. Today across our nation uh, is a Sunday that is the Sanctity of Life uh, Sunday. And as we open up the service today, uh, I just want to remind uh, us and uh, encourage us to engage uh, together in uh, this this fight and this um, this opportunity that we have to uh, to declare uh, that from the womb to the tomb that all life is sacred, uh, the all sufficient, uh, unchanging word of God tells us that... Uh, Every human being uh, has dignity and value and worth because they are made uh, in the image of God. Uh, I'm reminded, as the psalmist would declare in Psalm 139, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm reminded in Jeremiah 1.5 how uh, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah, and he said, before I formed you, I want you to notice that language. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I appointed you to be a prophet uh, to the nations, and I'm reminded that uh, our great God is uh, as big and mighty, and, you know, we sung about his greatness, that uh, he is mindful uh, of us, and and that he is near, and, you know, we come together, and we pray, and we work, and we advocate, and we uh, work toward a day when Uh, Abortion is uh, not only unnecessary and unthinkable, uh, but our hope is that it would be illegal and that we would be uh, a a force in the midst of this world for good, that we would be a place of grace in our congregation, and that we would be people who would uh, not simply um, uh, just stand for life in in, in our words, but in our actions as we uh, create environments for for fostering and as we support those who are, are fostering and as we're. Uh, coming alongside uh, young mothers and volunteering and serving in, in whatever ways that we can do to engage uh, in the mission of, uh, of Christ uh, in our community and to love and share uh, God's love. Uh, one of the ways that uh, you have been part of that you may or may not have known about, um, you'll see a picture on the screen of a, a dedication of a, a ultrasound trailer that happened. You'll recognize that parking lot. Um, North Carolina Baptists were able to partner together. And so, when you give to like the North Carolina Missions offering and we come together, you are part of uh, this being made possible for our community. And this travels here uh, in Franklin and also over to Western Carolina University and serves uh, in just a great way. And so, it's a great opportunity to support um, and, and just to stand for life and to be part of that. So, pick up a, a baby bottle as you leave and just engage uh, in that. Uh, we are uh, in a series uh, called "Training for Godliness," and so if you're just joining with us, we started out a few weeks back and we uh, looked at this call that we would discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, that we would train for godliness, and that we would uh, recognize that the Word of God would say that that this uh, physical exercise and bodily exercise that it profits and it has good for this life, but that uh, when we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, that it has benefit not only. Uh, for this life, but for the life to come. And so we've been looking uh, at that. Last week, we looked at this uh, thought of, uh, of, of going, right? And we talked about during that first week, uh, use a little illustration of Pastor Chris's family as they, uh, his in-laws got kind of swept out in the current uh, at, at the beach, and ended up in uh, in a mess, and just kind of pulled out by the waves. But we said that there's this uh, this stream, right? That as we looked at four areas, as uh, we would see in the early church in Acts two, we would see uh, this early church gathering uh, together in large group. We would see them. Uh, connecting in uh, in smaller groups. They would go from house to house. We would see them with this kind of radical generosity, right, as they would share uh, their possessions and as they would give and they would serve and uh, they would give of their time, talents, their treasures, that they would just work in this incredible way. And, and we would see that uh, that just the work that they did was incredible. And as they went, as they, they were on mission, this kind of this thought of going and uh, whether it's neighborhoods and, and nations that we talked about last week, that we would be People who would be on mission. So uh, what we see is that when people are engaging in these four areas, uh, it, it's hard to find. I don't know of anybody uh, that's engaging in these four areas that's not growing in their walk with Christ and as a believer. And so uh, we encourage folks just to kind of get in uh, the current and there's a certain element of uh, just being part of those things, these ordinary means of grace that God has given us as we gather uh, week after week. The scripture would say, we, we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Hebrews ten. 25, and that when we gather in that way and we uh, hear the the word of God preached and we worship our great God together, that uh, there's something beautiful that God does through that. We encourage you to uh, find community in a, a smaller group where you sit in circles rather than rows, and in those environments, you are... Uh, trained and equipped, and, and learn more about what it looks like to live uh, our lives. As as Drew was talking about in our prayers for the for the glory of God, and we're encouraged and, and uh, equipped in those environments. We uh, we we give toward uh, the work that God is doing. That our time, our treasures, our talents. We uh, what we see when we do that is that there's this uh, there's this interesting thing that happens. I used to talk about that piece of. Uh, of, of of giving or of having this open handed posture of generosity and those kind of things and and I would say that you know if people's hearts are right then that's right and I do believe that that's true that there's this element of of that's a, a measure of maturity but something that has challenged my heart of recent is that not only is it a measure of that but it is also a pathway. Toward that, as we open our hands of things uh, that, that we hold so much value to, right? Our time, our treasures, those things that fuel our idols. And as we release some of those things uh, with this kind of open handed picture of engaging our community, of engaging on the mission of Christ, it, it radically shifts our heart toward the mission of God. It radically uh, shifts our heart uh, to the work that God is doing. And as then, as we go and as we live our lives on mission, Uh, we commit to sharing the gospel. We commit to inviting people to church, to looking for opportunities to share his love and participating in taking the gospel uh, to the ends of the earth. And so uh, as we have walked in this series, we've just said, hey, these are places that we grow and we, we abide in Christ. There's a lot of other things that Uh, connecting this. But those four things, uh, they fuel the mission of the church and they grow us as believers uh, individually. And so as we've been talking about those things, my heart stirred this week to this thought of this one thing that in the midst of all this that could distract that could uh, pull our hearts away, that could really get us to kind of shift out of the stream and and something also that when we have the right perspective on it, that it could fuel our our growth, that it could encourage us and cause us uh, to grow more like Christ. Now, I want to, as we introduce this one thing, I want to ask you a question and I'm setting you all up. So just know that from the beginning, right? But is anybody ready for spring? It's been a cold morning. Some of you are afraid to say yes, right? But I want to read this poem. It's by Jason Lehman. It's called Present Tense. And it goes like this. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall that I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season it was now spring it was now winter but spring I wanted the warmth and the blossoming of nature I was a child but it was adulthood that I wanted the freedom and the respect I was 20 but it was 30 that I wanted to be mature and sophisticated and just the The beauty of all that. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 (laughs) that I wanted. (laughs) The youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-aged that I wanted the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over and I never got what I wanted. And could it be that this lack of contentment that we see in all of our culture and that uh, works its way really in, in all of our lives, if we're honest, that this desire for more and these things—could it be that uh, that those either the lack of that or a sense of that uh, is impacting our lives in an incredible way? And so we're going to look at First Timothy chapter number six, verse six. Uh, and we're going to read verse 6 to 19. And, and I want to encourage you uh, to lean in this morning. And, uh, and I believe that if we can get a hold of this, right? And if, and if God can do a work in us that allows us to really understand that he is enough, that Jesus is enough, that it will change everything about the way we live. If you'll stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Now we'll read verses 6 to 19. The scripture says this But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. And many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. To which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And you know, remain standing just a second. It would seem like that would be a really fitting place to stop. Like, and it's almost like Paul wrote, wrote this and, and the Holy Spirit's like, oh yeah, one more thing. And he says this, instruct those who are rich in this present world, not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that, which is life indeed. Will you pray with me? Holy Father, God, we are so grateful, Lord, for the many blessings that we experience, God, in our lives. And Lord, I confess, Lord, just as earlier in, in the worship time, Lord, there's just the reality that, Lord, that I fall short when it comes to on mission for your glory, God. That, Lord, that everything about our lives could be about your glory. And God, I confess here that it's hard to be content in the midst of a world that there are so many things uh, vying for our attention, so many ways that we feel like if just one more thing, we could find satisfaction and we could find happiness. God, I pray in the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would remind us today that Jesus is enough and that if we have Jesus, we have everything that we need. And, Lord, that you've blessed us not so that we uh, could consume it all, God, but that we might bless others. And, God, that we might be a light in the midst of a dark world. God, if there's anyone here that's never experienced the greatest gift that has ever been given, Lord, the gift of salvation through faith alone in Jesus Christ, God, that this morning might be the, the time of salvation for some gathered in this room. God, we love you and we thank you and we ask for your blessing on the reading of your word, and on our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. Now, Paul writes, and he starts with this uh, desire to be rich, and then uh, he kind of gets everybody, right? So he starts with some that might have this, uh, this desire to be rich, and then he says uh, not only uh, some engagement with those, but he, he then engages those who are rich. Now, when we think about this word rich and we think about the things that it means or what it means in our lives. A lot of times when we hear that word, uh, we certainly immediately go, well, that's not me. Because we look around and we can find people with more than we have. We can find people uh, that have more things than we do. And we say, well, they're rich. Uh, not me, right? But what we read in this passage, right? Paul uh, is charging Timothy to command those who are rich in this present world. And so when we look around, and even if we think about uh, those that we talked about last week when Carla was with us in Honduras and the people that we will serve there, uh, the reality is that if I'm honest, like that's us, the majority of Americans, we would be the rich in this present world. But here's the thing, we don't feel rich. When we think about our lives, we don't feel that way. And some people would say, Rich, is this thought of having more uh, than you need. And and what we understand is that many times, right, we uh, have this desire and we think, hey, I've got to have these things. And if I had this, it would bring satisfaction. And we live in a world where there's a lot of things about, you know, these get rich quick schemes. Some of you may see some of those things or you may have been around some of those things and and we have these desires and we want things. I know when uh, Sherry and I started out, we we, we wanted things that people that were a lot further along than us had, right? We wanted uh, to have those things, and we wanted them now. And, and and when we do those kind of things and we look back at our lives, we see that uh, some of the mistakes that we made in that impacted uh, things about our life and the things that we would uh, would like to have done we couldn't do because we uh, had, had placed ourselves in debt. We'd done different things that had impacted. But, you know, a lot of times, I don't know if, if you guys have... Certain things that you might think, hey, you know what, if I just had that. Well, my son, uh, a few weeks back, was in one of those kind of moments where he really wanted uh, something new. And so when uh, we want something like that, a lot of times we can get consumed with the desire for some of those things. And, and all of us have felt that way at some point in our life. We've had a moment like that. Well, well Grant was kind of in that mode and, and he was thinking like, you know, how could I get this thing? And so we're talking and we're kind of going back and forth. And he says, hey, can I sell some stuff? And we're like, hey, that'd be fine. And so I've got an eBay account and I'm like, Grant, uh, you know, have at it, man, sell whatever, you know, that, and that, that you want from your room, things that are there, you know, things that are yours. Uh, we kind of go through, actually, I mean, we might not have went into a lot of detail, maybe I just assumed that that's what he would sell, and so, uh, you know, we we're actually on a, a little trip, and uh, we'd, we'd gone to a, a little event over in Pigeon Forge, and we had a, a little break there, and so him and another pastor's kid in the community were, was with us and they're uh, gonna stay in the car while we run into the store. And so he's, uh, you know, kind of just tinkering on the phone and, and has the eBay thing and he's thinking about all these things. And we get back to the car and Sherry has began to get emails from our, our eBay account. And I'll, I'll show you a couple of those. I, I made sure she saved them because I knew there'd be a time <laughs> for this. And so I know and so I look at this thing and, and he's got a grill for sale, 170 bucks if anybody's interested. He's, uh, he'll be glad to sell it to you for that. Uh, shipping, yeah, here you go. Now here's a six person uh, camping tent, brand new, $140. Anybody needs a, a tent? It's a little cold today, so I don't know if that's gonna be a, a hot item. And then the third thing uh, that we saw was that we actually had an offer on this laptop. Now, now, here's the interesting thing about all those. And, and, and after our early service, there were people that came and they're like, you know, I, I think he's a businessman. I think this is going to work out. But the thing that was interesting is he owned none of those things. <laughs> and so I, I'm asking him, I'm like, Grant, wh- wh- what, are, what, are you, what are you doing here? And he's like, hey, listen, I uh, said, I found some things that are on sale. And he said, I need to introduce you to this term, Dad. It's called drop shipping. I said, so, so so explain to me. He says, well, they're going to buy it, and I'm going to go online and put in their address, and the company will ship it to them. And in his mind, I think in that moment, he's like, I'm going to be rich. Right? This is going to be awesome, right? And so and we talked about like the perils that could happen with some of this, and, and, I, and I'm like, you know, if you've got somebody that's agreed to that, it seems like a great idea, but this is going to go south somewhere. What if it comes in damage? We kind of talk about it, take down the listings and all those kind of things. But if you need a job in five years, he's probably going to be... Um, an entrepreneur uh, in the midst of that, but but here's the thing, right? We always are looking for satisfaction in a hurry, and in verse six we see this reminder that godliness is actually it's this means of great gain when it's accompanied by contentment. So if we're training for godliness, we understand that this that, that godliness and contentment that they are. Connected, and it's great gain when those things are together. But without contentment, our pursuit of godliness will be derailed by the pursuit of the things of this world. If we have our eyes fixed on the next thing, and here's the truth, right? It's hard for us to be content. We live in a social media world and we are constantly seeing what other people have. We're constantly comparing what our buddies have compared to what we have. We're constantly seeing the advertisement that says, if you get the new iPhone, that it's going to do this. If you get the next thing, it's going to bring satisfaction, right? And we we understand that those things are realities in our lives. Now, what is this word contentment? When we look at this word in the the original languages, in the Greek, we understand that it's a word that simply means sufficiency or enough. All that you need, you desire. Now there's a a scholar that in 1887 in a Greek lexicon said this, it's this perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Now we recognize we work hard, we, uh, we, we are, have been uh, placed, God, God created work before the fall and so we work hard, we see these principles of, uh, of we work and we trust God and we provide for our families but our heart is to desire godliness and to pursue Him and we discipline ourselves that way and we've got to balance these, uh, th- this providing and this, this desire for more things with this reality that we need to be content with where we are and what we have. Now that doesn't mean we're complacent because complacent says I don't care and I'm apathetic and I'm just, you know, whatever and I have no desire or all those kind of things. But contentment is a different kind of word. Now in some ways, what we understand is our life is defined uh, by how we spend two things, right? Time and What? Money, right? Our life is defined by how we spend those two things. And and when we when we understand that, we understand that most of our lives, most of our adult lives, we trade time for money. That's what we do. We we trade time, we get a paycheck, and what we do with that money is in many ways how we spend so much of our lives. Now, when we think about this, look at verse 7. Paul reminds Timothy, the way you came in this world and the way that we're going to leave this world. He says, for we brought nothing into this world, and so we cannot take anything out of it either. Now, we recognize there's there's value in material wealth that we have to have it. There, there was a, a wise older gentleman when I was trying to make some decisions career-wise and I had an opportunity, I'd I'd come to faith in Christ and I was working kind of a crazy schedule and kind of pursuing uh, the corporate way of life and I had an opportunity to take a pay cut and all of a sudden be in a Monday through Friday kind of environment, be home at night with my family, with my kids, Uh, had this opportunity where I could actually go to church on Sundays and I was talking about it and the guy was like, hey, here's what you need to understand. He said, money is a hygiene factor. He said, it's kind of like brushing your teeth. And so I brought my toothbrush. This is not the one I've been using, but it's, uh, I brought a toothbrush this morning, right? And so he said, money's a hygiene factor. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, what do you mean it's a hygiene factor? He said, you brush your teeth every day, right? I said, yeah. He says, it ever made you happy? I said, no. He said, money will be the same way. He said, you've got to have a certain amount. And he said, it takes money... To live, but it won't be that that will make you happy. Because what we understand is material wealth has value, but it's not the end all, right? It's temporary. We're not going to bring anything into this world, and we can't take anything out of it either. Verse 8, he says, If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Now, that's a pretty hard statement for me to really like. Like, am I content with just those things? Maybe ask yourself that question. Like, Are you content with man, a roof over your head, food to eat, the necessities that are there? Because, man, this world around us, it's always trying to get our attention. If we're honest, like our flesh feeds on it. Like Grant desired something new. I'd gone on a, a, a little visit to visit uh, Carol Talent, and he has a, a little store here in town, and, and he'd been sick. And so I wanted to check on him. And when I walked in there, talked to him for a little bit, and he's got a, a little section in his Store that has flashlights, and I'm like, I'm a flashlight guy. If y'all know that, and so when when I saw it in there, like here it is. I I didn't even know it was on. Like it was ready, always ready. This thing is all, and and that was really what got my attention about this flashlight because uh, not only uh, is it a flashlight, but you can plug this thing in your uh, car, uh, uh, little little outlet there, and when you plug that in there, not only can you charge this, so you'll be ready at any moment when it gets dark and you're driving but you can also charge your phone so your phone's ready at any time at the same time. And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, I probably should get this. I probably, I I actually have to have this, right? Because, because I mean, like I walk the dogs outside at night and this thing's got like a lot of lumens and I'm looking at that and, and then like, Even past that, the end of this, if I happen to ever be submerged in water and can't get my window down, it's made to actually crash out the window, right? And so I'm thinking this is a weapon. This is also like everything about this thing is calling my name. It's got a clip on it. It's got a magnet on it. Everything I need in a flashlight is found right here, right? And so, I mean, it was the best $20 that I've ever spent, really. It really was. And, And so... And, and I know a bunch of you are going to go get one this week, right? It's okay, right? Because this is awesome, right? And, and it didn't put us in it. You know, it was, it was okay for me to have it. But here's the thing. The world tells us this. The world tells us a lie. That, that, it, that we can find happiness in the possession of things. That things will bring us happiness. And what we find out... I mean, I was pretty happy in that moment. I'm not... I mean, I'm still happy about this. But it's not like... I'm not as happy like as I tried it out. It was really cool. But but here's the thing. It's short lived, And we find ourselves hungry for more. We find ourselves desiring more. And when we work for the glory of God and we, uh, and we live for the glory of God, we find our contentment in the things of God. And then everything else then becomes not the driving force of our lives, but it becomes something that we understand has been entrusted to us for his Glory. Now, when we read about this, right, we understand Paul would say in Philippians 4 that he had found the secret of contentment, that he had found the secret of those things. It's not something we're born with. Uh, Charles Swindoll would say it this way. He said, it's not something we find. It's something we decide. Now, we understand it's a difficult thing. If we're honest, this gets all of us at some level. Verse 9. He says, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men into ruin and destruction, right? This desire, it leads to a mess. We, we've, we've probably many of us experienced those kind of things, financial trouble. We, we read that uh, in marriages that one of the greatest uh, causes of divorce uh, the second leading cause of divorce is financial problems in marriage. We understand that when we uh, are experiencing financial problems in marriage that it adds stress to marriage that we, we understand those things this year as we looked at the kind of the new year, the number one resolution for people in America was to save more money right and so we understand that this desire to be rich there 's nothing wrong with saving money there 's nothing wrong with that it 's a wise thing it 's a biblical thing to prepare for the future. We see those things, but the love of money, verse 10. Now, this is a misquoted verse. A lot of times we say that money is the root of all evil, but but there's nothing uh, wrong with having wealth. The scripture says that the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, we understand that, that this love of money, right? That you can track back. If you think of the evil uh, that you see in our world, so many times, uh, the love of money, uh, it fuels so much of the evil of the, of the drugs that are sold, the things that are going on, sex trafficking, all. I mean, you can go into so many things and there's this desire for wealth that fuels so much of the evil of this world, right? But what we understand and what we read is that there's many griefs, right? And that word griefs, now what we... Uh, Experience and, and what we're thinking, we're not thinking of this kind of crazy evil stuff that we might be thinking about, but but when we understand this desire for the love of money causes grief in the midst of our lives, it's this thought of intense um, anxiety. It's this thought of, of distress and pain. And what we understand is that when, when our pursuit is for uh, wealth and our goals and our desires are all based on that, that what we end up with is is this incredibly stressed out uh, kind of moment. And we, we find ourselves in a place like Sherry and I was when we were young in our marriage. We said, hey, we work hard, right? And we're doing these things. And we weren't planning. We weren't looking at saying, hey, we're going to need to set aside some things and we want to do things. We said, hey, we work hard and we want to go on a cruise. And so if we've spent all our money and we don't have that, hey, we've got a credit card that'll take care of that, right? And so we'll swipe that credit card or we'll do those kind of things. And instead, of these blessings, right? We have these blessings in the moment, but what we understand then is that they result in stress and there's this temporary thing. And so we we learned the hard way, right? Proverbs 22, seven would say that the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. And so we try to help young people when we do our premarital counseling, like to get this early, Right, to understand, Right if we live within our means, if we have a plan, if we understand that, that the pursuit of wealth, that it's going to result in, in, in all kinds of stress, in all kinds of things. Dave Ramsey would say it this way. We buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't really like. And, and we see it all around our culture, right? I want to fast forward to, to verse 17 for just a second. And I want to point out a couple of things. This is some biblical uh, truths that we want to see. And it, it, the, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Notice what it says here. It says God provides us with all things. And the very first thing we see in this is to enjoy. And so there's nothing wrong, right? It's so important uh, for us to understand When we read this, God has provided us with all these things to enjoy. He wants us to enjoy these gifts that he has given. And it's so important that we have this biblical worldview of money. And so when we see that God has provided, what we understand is we've got to answer this first question, right? Who does this money belong to? Right, and so we're we're gonna maybe say this together. Psalm 24, one, I'll read it and then we'll say it together. It says, the earth is the Lord and all it contains the world and all those who dwell in it. So what we understand is that God... Owns it all, right? So God owns it all. This is what, when we uh, recognize that, if God owns it all, then I understand I'm responsible to Him for how I spend the money that He has blessed me with. And that means that when we handle our finances, when we look at the things of this world, that it is a spiritual decision, right? That it is something that we understand. Brian Chappell says this He said, The New Testament teaches that wealth is not a sin. Right, being wealthy is not a sin, right? It's when, it's not us having things. It is when the things have us and the desire for things. Brian Chappell says it this way. He says, it is not a sin, but it is an immense responsibility. It feeds our pride and it roots us deeper in this world. It, it said, if it feeds our pride and roots us deeper in this world, it will devour us. Right, we see that, we understand that. We see people with all the things that we could ever want, all the things that we could ever dream of, miserable and struggling. But he goes on to say, wealth is also a vast opportunity because it has been wisely remarked, a man's opportunity to do good to others increases with the abundance of his riches. So God owns it all. The second thing is he's, he's blessed us with some. Now we forget where these things come from. I worked hard. I did this. We think of those kind of things. I think of my kids. I bought some food for my son this weekend. I kind of reached in the bag and got a little snack out of it. And he looked at me pretty hard right there in that moment, right? Like, that's mine, right? <laughs> and I heard a speaker one time. He was talking about his kids. And he was telling his kids something. And the kid said, I'm going to my room. And I'm going to close my door. And I'm going to do all these things. And he said, here, you need to understand something. He said, you're poor. He said, you don't own anything, Right? He said, you're poor. He said, you're broke. You understand? He said, this is my room. He said, now I'm entrusted. I'm letting you use it. And and we've got to understand that that when we really think about that, we think we're in full control of all. But what we understand is that it all belongs to him. And we need him. He doesn't need us, right? We need him. And you say, well, I work for it. Listen, the, the very breath that you breathe is being sustained by the king of kings. Like when Paul wrote to Timothy in the midst of that, he is reminding him that he is the sovereign lord and the king of kings. And that he is worthy of all things. And so if God owns it all, here's the second thing, right? If God owns it all, what does that make us? All right, we're stewards, we're managers, so to speak. Matthew 25, Luke 16, you see some of the principles, but we are managers, stewards of what belongs to him but has been entrusted to us. A definition of that is steward is a person that manages another's property, finances, or affairs. A steward acts as a supervisor or administrator of finances or property for another. And so a lot of times we think about uh, this biblical perspective of finances and we might say, well, God, uh, 10% is his and 90% is mine. Listen, we wanna understand God owns it all. We are stewards of what he has given us and stewardship, Ron Blue says this. He said, "Is the management of God's resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. And so it's so important how we manage the things that God has given us. Here's a statement that I hope you'll kind of stick with. If we're going to enjoy the things God provides, right, if we're going to enjoy the things God has provided, we must employ those things for his glory. We must have a plan, and we must understand that without a plan, right, things just kind of get reckless, and that's what we saw early in our marriage. And as I've leaned in this, it's been this reminder that, hey— I need to, to, to pull back in and make sure that our family is living uh, in a plan. Uh, people that are wise, you might hear the word budget. The word plan sounds a little better to us. Budget kind of sounds restrictive. But, but here's the thing, right? We, we wanna have a plan for the money that God has blessed us with. And most of the wise financial advisors that are uh, kind of biblical modeled uh, advisors would say that we wanna, we wanna plan for all of it. So we wanna have our income and our outgo equals zero. And so when we have these resources that God's given us, we're saying, here's how I'm going to use them. And we plan for that. And we put some resources together on the main part of the website. If you scroll down, you'll see some budgeting resources. You'll see some things there that we hope will be a blessing. And my hope is that you would do some homework this week, that you would say, okay, I'm going to recognize that God owns it all. He's blessed me with some. And I want to take a look at, at my life and my finances. And I want to And I want to see what what they reveal, right? We want to look and we want to kind of allocate. We want to inspect those things and say, here's how I'm living. And what does this reveal? Jesus would say that uh, where your treasure is, there your what? There your heart would be also. So we want to think about what that reveals in our life, right? Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. I wanna close with just a couple of statements and we're gonna worship and be grateful for, for God's blessings in our lives. But I wanna encourage you, watch out for greed because we can miss it, right? We can get consumed in the things of this world. Luke twelve fifteen, 15, uh, Jesus said this, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. All right, this is something we don't think about a lot. Nobody really comes into the office and they're like, hey, um, you know, I'm kind of struggling in this area and I want to talk about it. It's not generally, it's not places that we even recognize. And here's the instruction that Paul would give to Timothy. He would say, flee from these things. Verse 11, you man of God and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Paul instructed Timothy to flee these things. And when we flee these things, it's a word that that we talk about so often, right? When we flee something, we're turning from it. It's a word we use in church often. It's this just thought of repenting. And if this is where we're at, like if we are wrapped up in the things of this world, if we are wrapped up in the next thing and we are not content then the call from scripture, right, is to turn from those things and pursue something different. And what we see this call to pursue is righteousness and godliness and faith, love, perseverance, gentleness, right? We, we, want, we don't want to trust the things of this world. We want to trust the one who made the world, the one who holds the world, the, the one who owns the world. Matthew 6 verse 31 would say this, do not worry then saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly father knows that you need these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? Everything flows out of a relationship with him. And what we understand is every decision is a spiritual decision. And we can trust him with every need of our lives, knowing that he has fulfilled our greatest need through the cross of Jesus Christ. It is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that our greatest need is met. Our sin had separated us from a holy God and even though we didn't deserve it, even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And it is through repentance of our sin and placing our faith and trust in Jesus that our relationship can be restored. We have the example of the greatest gift, right? John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And my hope is this morning that we as his people would live different from this world. That our homes and our families would not fall into the the struggles and the stress and the craziness that comes when our eyes are fixed on trying to gain all of these things and find our satisfaction in those things. Again, it's not those things. It is the, the desire for those things. It's when those things have us. And the greatest thing that might could happen in any of our lives is for us to say, Jesus, you have given me all these things and what I have is enough. And then to begin to get a plan, to begin to live according to the principles of Scripture and to say, you know what, everything in my life is about you, God. It is for your glory. And I pray that you would help me in every decision and in everything to use what you've entrusted to me for your glory and some of that involves enjoying it let's pray Father we're thankful Lord for the the so many gifts that you have blessed us with God if we have a roof over our head and the food that we need Lord your word would tell us that we should be content that we have enough but God I confess that uh, God I struggle in this Lord help us to God, help us to pursue godliness in you above all things. Lord, help us to recognize that if we have you, we do have enough. Lord, let us work and and live for the glory of your name, not for the the things of this world. And God, may you help us to use all that we have. Lord, to be a reflection of who you are. Lord, may we manage and steward it uh, for your glory. And God, I pray that... uh, God, you would help those in this room that, God, have already found themselves in a, a place where it feels like there's just things all around, Lord, just strapped in and hard to, hard to navigate, Lord, and just feeling the pressure of all those things. Lord, I pray that uh, they would take a step, Lord, in just a different direction. Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would help us, Lord, to flee uh, the desire and the love of those things, Lord, and, and to pursue you. God, help us to find contentment, Lord, to choose contentment. Help us to do it today. Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you, got to pray today. Lord, that they would turn from the pursuit of the things of this world and that they would turn to you, God, in surrender, in repentance. God, we know that our sin separates us. God, you took the wrath that we deserved on the cross and made a way for us to be restored if we would only believe and trust in you. God, we love you and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.